Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney Magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, puppeteer and performer, Noel McNeil, to the show. Welcome, Noel. Hi. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you on the show, and I'm, I'm trying to resist from using any puns, but now that you're here, <laughs> let's begin. I'm sorry, of I had course. to do at least one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so why don't you talk about your beginnings as a puppeteer, because I, th- I feel like a lot of people don't know how a lot of individuals break into this business. Yeah, you don't get this through the New York Times want ads, so no. it's one of those things where a lot of people start at different points of their life. Some of them start when they were very young. Some people start when they're older. Some people are just like um, adapt the skill for whatever project they're on. Um, for me, uh, it started when um, I was a kid. Because um, when I was a kid, there was a lot more puppet shows on. There was um, Bert Tilston's Kukla Fan and Ollie. There was Captain Kangaroo. There was Sherry Lewis and her little sock puppet lamb chop. There was, uh, locally, there was Paul Winchell and Winchell Mahoney time. Paul Winchell was a ventriloquist, and he had Jerry Mahoney and Knucklehead Smith. And Paul Winchell was also a voiceover artist, and he was the original voice of Tigger for the Winnie the Pooh cartoons. And he also invented the artificial heart. Um, So I grew up with, with those shows and little local shows. But then when I was around like seven year, years old, it was a Sunday evening, and my local PBS station had a half hour special, so at 6.30. And it was a show introducing this brand new series that was starting tomorrow morning on Monday. And it was hosted by two puppets. And it was the kind of puppets I'd never seen before because I was used to, you know, very hard carved puppets like, um, Kukla and Ollie or Bill mm-hmm. Baird's puppets, remember from The Sound of Music, those kind of things. Yeah. Or little sock puppets like Lamb Chop. But these guys were were different. One was kind of had a head shaped like a football, and the other one, his head was kind of shaped like a banana. And they could talk to each other. And the one with the football head actually had hands and he could actually pick things up, which was fascinating. And I remember his name was Ernie, and the banana head guy was named Bert. And they were talking about this brand new show called Sesame Street that was starting the next day. And he showed scenes from it, and it looked really fun. But then when I saw Big Bird, it just blew my little young mind because there was a puppet that could actually walk around. Now, granted, that Big Bird from that first like pilot and first series was truly frightening compared to the gentle big bird that evolved but still this was a puppet that could actually walk around and interact with people and just like walk away and so that's when i just started watching sesame street even though i was you know seven years old i was beyond it but i was watching it and then started following along with 
the Muppets with their specials, like the Bremen Town musicians and Hey Cinderella and the Frog Prince and the great Santa Claus switch. During my high school years, that's when they had the Muppet Show. And I was watching the Muppet Show and realizing like, well, this guy Jim Henson's making a career out of this and he's got all these people and he somehow convinced them that they can make a career out of this. So I thought maybe I could too. So when it was time for me to pick a career, I decided I was going to be a puppeteer. Now, could I actually go to college for this? Well, I had to do research back then the old-fashioned way. I had to go to the library, which is like Barnes & Noble, except it's free. And I did research, and I found two colleges. One, which is in Connecticut, which is still around. It's uh, the University of Connecticut in Yukon, in Stores, Connecticut, where you can do a four-year puppetry course and even get a master's degree in puppetry. Mm-hmm. The other college at that time was in Brooklyn, Pratt Institute. And at that time, they had a theater department. And within the theater department was a course in puppetry. So I did all this research. Now, I was going to present it to my mom. My mom was a single mom. My dad walked out on us when, he were, when I was uh, 18 months old. And so she was raising me and her mother and our uncle who lived with us. So she was working seven days a week. So now I'm going to present this proposal to this woman who's been working seven days a week to put me through school. And I said, okay, I know what I want to be. I want to be a puppeteer. And I kind of waited for the explosion to happen. And she looked at me and said, okay, what do we have to do? And I said, oh, well, here are these two schools. This one is in Connecticut. This one's in Brooklyn. Okay, what do we have to do? Well, with this one, this one is, is requirements are due this time, and this one's requirements are due this time. Okay, what do we have to do? That's all she kept saying. She just kept saying it. She never belittled me. She never got angry. She never dismissed me. She never discouraged me. She just kept saying, what do we have to do? Because up until then, she had always said, don't get a job, get a career. At the end of all this, after putting everything together, she said, and you know what? If tomorrow you wanted to be a lumberjack, we'd figure out how to do that. And I lucked out by having somebody uh, encouraging me to be a puppeteer. So at that time, the two people who helped me on the road to being a puppeteer was Jim Henson and then was my mother. The person who currently is my inspiration to keep doing this is my wife, who is a author, Susan Ilya McNeil, author of the Maggie Hope Mysteries, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. This is a shameless plug, but her latest book, The Queen's Accomplished, is being getting rave reviews. So anyway, she is very, very supportive, and uh, that's why like my two books were pretty much her idea. The first one was called 10-Minute uh, Puppets, and she said, you know how to be a dad, and you know how to be a puppeteer. Why don't you put them together just to show people how simple, easy, and inexpensive puppet making can be. Mm -hmm. But, she said, don't make it crafty. Make it for people like me. You're not married to Martha Stewart. So that's why that first book is just very simple and people have really liked it. So once Mm -hmm. I went to Pratt, um, when I was being interviewed, they were closing out the theater department. So I was the only major coming in for that year. And at the end of four years, I would have been the only one. I literally would have been in a class by myself. However, 
the summer before my senior year, uh, the assistant to my puppetry teacher had quit. And so my puppetry teacher needed a new assistant for the show he was working on. Now, my instructor was named Kermit Love, and he was the designer and builder of Big Bird and Snuffy. I started working on Sesame Street as his assistant. And in this case, it meant being the wrangler, taking care of the puppets and making sure they were camera ready and handing them to the puppeteers. So I got a huge education as well as my introduction to TV production just working on this show. And back then, Sesame Street was an hour show. We've yeah. never had anybody on the show who has worked with Jim Henson and Frank Oz, and you you have worked with them. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about what that experience was like? Because I, for me, actually, I have only read so much, and I've never really talked to somebody who got to work with them one-on-one. Yeah, it was interesting. The, the biography on Jim Henson from uh, Random House, it's a really great book. I finally got around to reading it. And for me, I wanted to read it because I met Jim in um, 1982. So I wanted to read like everything that led up to that point. And then the rest of the book was interesting to read during that time that I knew him. And so it was like, it was really interesting for me. Um, Jim is exactly what you're thinking right now. It's like, oh, was he nice? So was he really inspirational? Was he really cool? Yes, yes, he was. He was literally the boss you wanted to please. People would actually look forward to having him come through. The puppet makers, who are real artists at the Jim Henson Company, they would look forward to him walking through and stopping by and taking a look at things because you wanted to get that that smile. You wanted to get that, that chuckle from him. In fact, some of them realized that at night, he would come through and kind of like look at things and make a few changes. So they got wise to this. So they would deliberately leave things out and just see what would happen. And sure, the next day, like something would have an eye or uh, something would like an eye would be like turned the other way or something like replaced. So Jim was like really like this very quiet, but very like energetic entity. I mean, when he walked in, you know, every all attention turned towards him, even though he never, ever raised his voice. I never heard him yell. I never, as a human, you know, if he was doing a character, of course, but I never heard him yell, never heard him curse. He was just like this truly gentle, genial man. Frank is like pretty much exactly like some of his characters, whereas like Frank, he, he is... He's so funny, and he can be so sarcastic, and he's also very giving, and he's truly like one of like the funniest like men I, I've met. Like some of the little stuff he does. When I teach others about television puppetry, like for um, this course that myself and my colleague Peter Lentz, who we worked on so many shows together, we teach this course called Beyond the Sock which is at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, every year. And so there's the fifth year coming up next June. So go to beyondthesock.com and sign up, and then you can learn television puppetry from me and Peter. One of the things we, we teach them is that sometimes you don't have to do a lot. You can just slow down. In fact, you can just stop. And I use examples of Frank, who will just take the puppet and just stop and just have the puppet stare another character or another human being two examples you can look up on youtube 
One is Grover um, talking to this kid about Santa Claus. Like, how does Santa Claus like come down the chimney? And this little kid says, he comes down with his, with his reindeer. And Grover just stares at the kid. And this kid is still cracking up because Grover's just really taking it all in. That's the thing, it's acting. Jim always said, puppeteers were actors. We just act from the wrist up. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking those moments and really figuring out how you can use them, just like any human actor would do with their part. So, yeah, Jim and Frank were, I learned, like, everything uh, from Jim and Frank, and then other stuff from Richard Hunt, who worked on Sesame Street, and Jerry Nelson, and Fran Brill. And speaking of Bear in the Big Blue House, a lot of people are going to recognize your voice almost immediately as Bear. (laughs) So uh, this character was such a big hit, as many of us all know. I grew up watching Bear. My one main question was, was the visual development of Bear first, or was the voice the first thing that was developed when making this character? No, it was was the characters were all um, sketched out first by uh, Paul Andrico of uh, Puppet Heap. He did this sketch of uh, the characters uh, first. And so they, they were very uh, distinct and yet very simple. And one of the rules of the show is that none of the characters wear clothes. They're not, they're not these sort of humanoid, like Zootopia kind of animals. They're just, they're, they're characters. And so this way they would look the same all the time. Mm-hmm. They would only wear something if something were like, special like you know going outside let's put on a scarf the voice came because they wanted to have a normal sounding voice sort of like that people could actually sit with their children and watch together just the way bear spends his day with his little young friends they wanted the grown-ups at home to be able to sit with their little ones and watch the show and have a voice that wouldn't make you you know ears bleed upon hearing it every time it opened its mouth and so when I got the audition, and w- w- when I walked in, they said, okay, just use your voice. And I was like, but with the Muppets, we don't do that. I said, no, no. And they explained to me the whole thing I just explained to you. So I was like, okay. And so occasionally I would try to slip in a character voice. They were like, no, 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 no. Just keep talking in a normal voice. And they had a prototype of, of their, uh, just, it was just like foam and netting and like a foam head. But I could still like get inside. And... I knew that inside of it, it was like, wow, this is really fun. This is a really great character. He could be really fun to do. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I'm like the last person. This was like a courtesy call. I was like, I'm not going to get this. They probably picked a person out. So I said, I just didn't care. I just wanted to have fun. So it was like this one moment in the script where Bear like holds up a glass of water and like shows it to the kids at home. And so I just like hold, held up the glass and put it right up to the camera as close as possible and then had the bear's eyes like peek through it. And then another point in the script, he just like sniffs something and realizes it's coming from the camera. And that's when I just jammed the nose right into the lens <laughs> and pulled it back. And so it was just like, yeah, so at least I had fun from this. And so it was, I remember it was on a Friday and uh, then uh, the next, and they said, thank you. And I was like, great. So the next day I was getting together with uh, some friends and uh, there was a, a friend of my friend who had just moved back into the city, and she got invited along, too. And I was like, oh, she's cute. <laughs> oh, I'd like to get to know her better. 
And so we happened to be going to the same, to a mutual, another friend's engagement party the next day, and we hung out together. And then at the end of uh, that, I got her number. So I was like, could I call you? And she's like, sure. And so that Monday, I got the call at the around six o'clock that from Muppets that I uh, had gotten the part of Bear. And that week, I called this girl and started dating her, who is now my wife. And uh, we've been together for like, well, let's see, uh, we've been married 17 years, but we will have known each other for 20 years next year. In fact, 2017 is also the 20th anniversary of Bear in the Big Blue House. One thing I'd like to mention is um, they had a Playhouse Disney Live at Walt Disney World for the longest time, which you probably know, of course. The Bear Show in um, Disney at the studios, it first started out as a a Bear in the Big Blue House Live. And it basically was the mall tour show that had been touring the United States. And it was such a huge success. Disney just bought it, the whole thing, and just put it into that space and just made it Bear in the Big Blue House Live, and it ran there for a couple of years. And then that's when somebody decided, like, wow, you know, this is a really good way of introducing, like, the rest of the lineup on, on at that time it was called Playhouse Disney. Before that, it was just like, I, I wanted to test the waters to see, because they were always talking about maybe there could be an attraction of Bear down there. And so I knew I was going down there for New Year's, and so I went to, to, to Muppet's. And I said, you know, I'm going to be down for New Year's. So, you know, if you want to send, you know, Bear down with a Wrangler, um, I could do like a meet and greet and just see what the response would be. And they're like, really? It's like, yeah, just, just do it. I'm going to be down there anyway. So they did. And I, we tried it out. And it was so funny how, like, it was just like, I had like um, um, one of the, um, the VIP handlers, the people in Platt was with me. And I just walked out into the, Plaza, like on the side by the Chinese theater, just walked out and just stood there. And people were like, so it's like, it's Bear, look, it's Bear, and like ran over. And then, of course, because it's me, you know, I actually talked to them and oh said hi. And, and some <laughs> other, like, Disney studio person said, was saying to them, it's like, it's like, actually leaned into me, he's like, you can't talk. And it's like, what do you mean I can't talk? Of course I can talk. <laughs> I actually said this, of course I can talk. Look, see how my mouth's working so wonderfully? Look. <laughs> and I just like to, and they said, and they pulled him over and just said, no, no, this is the real bear from the show. And he was like, oh my gosh, oh yes. Because they're just not used to actually having like the characters like talk. And so mm-hmm. whenever, um, <laughs> and so then after that, um, Bear got to go to, um, he used to, um, I did a couple of appearances for the, the Christmas Parade, the Walt Disney World Christmas Parade. There's this great facility um, near Walt Disney World. It's called Give Kids the World. If you're ever like um, down there, uh, check it out. If you live in the area, volunteer. It's this wonderful facility that was started by this man who worked at um, one of the parks. And it works with organizations like um, Make-A-Wish, and it's a resort that welcomes in families of uh, seriously and terminally ill children and gives them like the ultimate park experience, like to any park. I found out about this from my from a friend of mine, and I have done appearances down there as Bear. One time, I, I did an appearance there, and I, I had this quick little like twenty minute show that I would do with Bear, and then have take a little picture afterwards. Well. 
by sheer coincidence, there was a little girl whose wish was to meet Bear. And they had arranged for her to like come down and she was going to go to the park and see the show and have this meet and greet with Bear afterwards. It was just by sheer coincidence that I was there that same day and they came to see me before they went to the park. And they told me this, so this way Bear could actually say, I'll see you over there. But you know, after doing that full show, all that singing and dancing, my voice will be a little tired. So if I don't talk a whole lot, you'll understand, right? <laughs> and just covering the fact that that bear wouldn't be allowed to talk to her. <laughs> but then we had this like great moment, pictures and videotaping and all that, and said, okay, see you later. It's like, but it was just like, it was just one of those incredible things where it's just like, it was the, that was her wish, not just to go to Disney World, but to, to see Bear. And I just happened to be there at that the, the same time. So it's a it's a great facility. I, my wife and I both agree if we if we lived down there we would be volunteering there like all the time. It's a mm-hmm. great facility. So you should go check it out. Give kids the world. Are there any other projects you're you're currently working on at the moment? I am. My passion project, the one that was uh, pretty much inspired by Bear, is called the Show Me Show. I've been getting a lot of fan emails from the kids who are, you know, now all grown up and thanking me for Bear. It's still a go-to, a show that's just so nurturing and calm and sincere. And I realized there's not a show like that on. And I know for a fact, none of the kids' networks are going to do it. So that's why I realized, okay, maybe I could do it. So I've been trying to create this online series called The Show Me Show. I call it Educational Vaudeville. And... There's uh, the website, showmeshow.com. There's the Twitter account, at KnowYourHost. And there's also the Facebook page. And now I'm creating the YouTube channel, the Show Me Show channel. I'm going to be adding content just to give you an idea of what the show would be about. Um, Because it's kind of like a, a vaudeville show. And the guest star is either a sound, a shape, a color, or a number. And I'm the human host. And then my puppet friends, one is Phineas, who's already been created by my friend James Voitall Jr. He's a master puppet builder. He worked for the Jim Henson Company, and he's a puppeteer and a puppet builder. You can go to his, web, his uh, Twitter account, at Puppet Disaster, and check, up his, check out his stuff. He's great. And he's going to be making the puppets. So he's made Phineas so far. And so a typical episode, because it's online, you could download it. That's the whole concept. Mm-hmm. The actual show would be available online you would download it and then let's say the guest star we find out at the beginning the guest star is the color blue so phineas wants to do a story a play about the color blue his sister taylor loves singing and making up songs she wants to do a whole musical number about the color blue so since you download it i would say okay if you want to help because it's interactive if you want to help phineas create his story click on phineas if you want to help taylor create the song Click on Taylor. So if, if you click on one of the characters, then the show goes off in that direction. Wow. It has a whole storyline. And then since you've downloaded it, you can come back and then you can click the other character and then it would go off in that direction with a whole different storyline, but still the same the same guest star. So you're kind of getting like two shows for the price of one. So for the YouTube channel, we're going to do like just a, a, a simpler version of that, just to give you an idea of of where we're going with this, but it's it's a puppet show. It's a live action puppet show, which is sorely la- sorely lacking. Mm-hmm. And 
um, it'll help kids with autism special uh, special needs negotiate just the daily things that all kids and I know a few adults who could use a brush up course on you know picking up on social cues and recognizing emotions and dealing with change, which can be challenges to kids with autism and special needs, as mm-hmm. well as the basic academics of, of early science and math, like numbers and colors and sounds and, and shapes. So combine that together. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing now. So check out all the things I've blathered about and <laughs> come back to the YouTube channel, the show me show, and there'll be more stuff coming up in the next few months and another uh, crowdfunding campaign in the spring. Before we end, I always ask my guests three Disney-themed questions, and I call them the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Oh, it was Mary Poppins. Whenever it was back then, you had to, like, wait, like, you know, seven years for, for the re-releases. But I remember when I was a kid, I loved... Mary Poppins. I loved seeing it in the movie theater. In fact, one time it was playing at Radio City. My mom took me to, to see it. I got to, this past June, I got to assist puppeteer. I got to work with the other puppeteers on this show called Julie's Green Room, which is coming on Netflix um, in January, February of 2017, next year. And the star, the human star of it is Julie Andrews. So I got to meet Julie Andrews. And so Holy I was cow. Just, I know. <laughs> Which she is just like on a total level because I've met celebrities and she has she has human guest stars who come on and help the other puppets, but she's just on this other like level. She's not a celebrity. She she really is like this icon. She is this like living legend. I mean, it's Julie Andrews, <laughs> and her show. It's a thirteen episode show, and there's a story arc, and the the puppet kids come to her camp to do a, um, a play, and everything is ruined. But she tells them. You can make your own. And she calls her friends and they come in and they show her different aspects of putting on a show and creating a show, like acting and movement and improv and singing and storytelling. And she gets her old friends like David Hyde Pierce and Adina Menzel and Ellie Kemper and Alec Baldwin to come in and they actually came. And they were the same thing too. They couldn't believe this, but it's Julie Andrews. And the benefactress, the woman who gives Julie the money to run her camp comes to see the play. And it's the one guest star who didn't play herself. She played a character. I think her name was like Mrs. Plentiful or something. And the guest star for the 13th episode is Carol Burnett. Oh, it's boy. weird and amazing, like the, the things that this little, this little advice my mom gave, don't get a job, get a career, has taken me to. And our goofy question, what Disney character, besides Bear and all of his friends, do you think would be your best friend if you met in person? Well, I don't know. I was like, I know which character was like, I always liked as a kid, like in the original Star Wars was, you know, Han Solo, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. Luke, you know, eventually got like, you know, the lightsaber and the powers. But it's like, for me, it was just like, I just knew right away, it's like, Han's cool. He's got the Millennium Falcon, and he gets the girl. So it's just like, <laughs> it's like it's Han Solo. <laughs> and finally, our Mickey question: If I asked you to name any Disney song, what immediately comes to mind? Um, <laughs> it's like popped in my head right now was uh, uh, "Super Califragilisticexpialidocious." Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really hope we have you back to talk you more so about a 
possible 20th anniversary reunion for Bear and his friends. <laughs> that would be awesome to announce. I, 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 would, I would hope. Shout out from the rooftops. From the rooftop of the big blue house, I'll be the first one to say, yes, we're doing something special for the 20th anniversary. It would be wonderful. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. Soon I know. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. goodbye. And tomorrow just my today. The moon, the bear, and the big blue house will be waiting for you to come and play. To come and play. To come and play. Bye now. Hey, what's that smell? It's you!